My name is Leilani DeLeon. I'm the founder and CEO of My Legacy and a former product marketing director from Qualcomm. With the rise of mobile gaming and, and people gaming all the time, the usage and revenue is only going to go up. I'm Catherine Speglia, and this is Well Technically, the tech podcast where women do the explaining. Leilani, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited. This is going to be fun. I've been starting these conversations off by first asking a few questions to get to know my guests a little better. So are you ready for those? Absolutely. Okay, great. The first one I always ask is, what is an example of a time in which being a woman empowered you? Interestingly enough, I only truly felt being a woman empowered me in my career in the last five years. So let me give you some context. My career spans over 25 years in marketing, all with technology companies. And the majority of that time, I've worked with product engineering sales teams. And in meetings, I was either the only woman in the room during meetings or one of a few. There didn't seem to be a lot of opportunity or conscious experience sharing or mentoring of the women in these companies or between the women in these companies. So given my own experience, I believe that women should work to empower other women. And in the last five years, I was able to do that. As a woman with an established track record and a fairly long career, I've shared my experiences with younger up-and-coming women, giving them advice, giving them opportunities to be in leadership roles, and really show how badass they are, and give them the confidence to keep pursuing leadership opportunities. I did want to talk to you about your work in mobile gaming because I think that gaming is often perceived as a male interest. So I think it's interesting that not only did you work in tech, but you worked in in gaming. But before getting into the specifics of your work in this area, I just wanted to ask, are you a gamer? Funny thing is I, I play games every day on my phone, but I wouldn't describe myself as a gamer especially in the sense of industry terms, because I play casual games. Fact of the matter is I'm horrible at the battle royale and adventure games. I try them, but I I never really do well. But I'm competitive. So losing or not doing well in those games is difficult for me. So I stick to the easy games. But my teenage son, he's a gamer. And so I tap into what he and his friends are doing. And they're like my mini focus group. Okay, so since you're not really a gamer, although... My, my fiance is a avid gamer and, you know, he always gets frustrated when people are critical of gamers because he's like, people are always on their phone playing games. So according to, to him, you are a gamer, you know, any type of that casual gaming, it still counts. Absolutely. And I think like, you know, the, we see the trend in gaming is freaking skyrocketing, right? I think that more than half the time people are on their phones playing games And the app store spend is like $70 billion a year. So to me, if you're playing games on your phone, you're a gamer. I totally agree. How did you end up working in mobile gaming at Qualcomm? Um, It was a transition, really. Uh, Early in my time at Qualcomm, I managed Qualcomm's developer network. And that's where developers would get the tools they need to create apps and games for mobile phones. And through that role, I was able to meet many of the developers who were developing games We'd go to the game developer conference. We'd go to Android DevCon. And I really got to meet with them individually, learn what they were working on, 
seeing how passionate they were about not only building games, but but playing games and and all that excitement. So it, it really made me excited to hear what they were doing. So when there was a spot available on the product marketing team, it really was a natural transition for me. Um, and I also thought I would win some brownie points with my son, but not it didn't really. <laughs> it didn't? I was actually going to ask. That didn't earn you any points? Not really, because, you know, he's all about Nintendo and the games he plays on PlayStation and the fact that um you know I I work on mobile games which he hasn't really transitioned to he's kind of like yeah no <laughs> did he provide any useful information for you though absolutely you know I I asked him a little bit about and and his friends actually uh what the difference was with playing on a console versus on mobile um, and, you know, it was really about the, the control aspect and, and uh, the controller, actually. And so as we see technology progress, though, and, and having the haptics on phones now that, you know, it can vibrate and you can have similar controls, I think you'll see that there will be transition from PC to mobile, especially as graphics get better and things like that. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm often picking my fiance's brain about if he really thinks that cloud gaming and 5G gaming is really going to take off or, or more mobile gaming experiences because, you know, he built his PC. So yeah. he's really connected to the hardware. And, you know, he often wonders, you know, will that become obsolete? Right. Well, you know, I think that if you think about it, we're kind of in a transition, right? And so people have built their own game PCs and, and it's all about PC and, and, and then console gaming. But like when Nintendo launched their Switch product, now you're able to kind of take it with you and be a little bit more mobile. And actually, you know, the kids now are mobile first. They didn't necessarily go to PC first. And so as, as we transition into really a more mobile generation, I think you'll find that that transitioning is happening. You know, we have our phones everywhere. And it feels like when you've got some downtime, you know, opening a game and playing it for 5, 10, 15 minutes is, is easy to do instead of waiting to get home and get on your PC or your device, right? Yeah, I think that point about the Switch is really a good point, just about how it represents walking the line between a console and more of like a, a mobile gaming device. Right. So specifically about your work at Qualcomm. You launched the first dedicated XR platform, helped create the mobile XR headset category. Can you tell me a bit more about these projects? Sure. So at Qualcomm, you know, they, their work on XR started over a decade ago with research and development and building tools around virtual and augmented reality. When I became involved in 2016, the focus was on commercializing virtual reality and making it more attainable to businesses and consumers to actually use in applications. At that time, virtual devices available on the market were either fully tethered systems like Oculus Rift or HTC Vive, or slot-in headsets like Samsung Gear or even Google Cardboard, and in which you take your smartphone and, and put it into a headset carrier of sorts. And so those are two ends of the spectrum in regards to cost and capabilities. And there was a gap. And neither of these solutions were going to work on mass scale because we really believe that VR is meant to be mobile. Qualcomm's leadership in mobile technology paved the way and established the new mobile XR headset category we see today with Oculus Quest and HTC Vive Focus 
and even new devices like Enreal's glasses. And it took the foundation of its mobile platform and fine-tuned it to the needs and capabilities of XR experiences and launched the first ever XR platform in 2018 and then the first 5G XR platform in 2019. So as XR devices and experiences evolved, you'll see that the devices are going to get sleeker, they're going to get lighter, and the performance and efficiency are just going to get better. You also launched Snapdragon Elite Gaming, right? Yeah. Which is basically a set of hardware and software features optimized for gaming. What exactly makes it ideal for gaming? And is this what's in the XR headsets? Well, you know, as we talked about earlier, with almost half of all smartphone use and 70% of app store spend being on gaming, it's safe to say that we're in an era of mobile gaming. And Snapdragon Elite Gaming offers the best technology, software, and hardware combined for gaming on your mobile device. It gets you as close to console and PC quality available on a mobile smartphone, and then you can take it anywhere. So what does that mean? Um, It offers true 10-bit HDR gaming, which means the colors that you would see on a PC or console game are going to be just as vivid on a smartphone. It has the highest frame rates, which means that your gaming is going to be smoother. It's not going to like jitter and, and jank. And then it also supports 144 hertz displays. And those are high-end monitors for gamers that cost a lot of money in your PC environment. But now you can get support for that on your smartphone. You know, I I think most people's monitors today on their PC aren't even going to be that high. And then other desktop level features like updatable GPU drivers. So the GPU or the graphics processing unit in your smartphone really processes all of that, uh, the graphics. Uh, on your smartphone. And so being able to update that in a mobile environment hasn't been available up until now, even though gamers know that that has been available on the PC. And so as far as the XR headsets, Qualcomm has dedicated XR platforms for XR devices because XR dives into another facet of gaming where the gaming happens all around you versus on a screen in front of you. And so the interaction is very different and the processing needs to be different too. So over and over again, in my conversations with people, I keep hearing that gaming is the you know, killer consumer use case for 5G. Do you agree with it? And if so, what makes it true? Um, I would say that gaming would be one of the first killer consumer use cases for 5G, uh, but it's yet to be seen what other new user experiences will be unlocked by 5G. 5G will enable the growth of cloud gaming, kind of like 4G did with video streaming. You know, it it has minimal latency, higher frames per second. And I think if you think about how we viewed movies and television, you know, five, 10 years ago, it was probably on your television, right? And so now people are streaming Netflix and Hulu and, and, and other videos on their smartphone today. So I think you'll see a progression like that for gaming. You're going to see the PC and console games now offering streaming opportunities where you can get access to them anywhere. And with the rise of mobile gaming and and people gaming all the time, the usage and revenue is only going to go up. 5G equals higher bandwidth, higher speeds, higher network capacity, more efficiency, which leads to better performance and experiences for the consumer. So I absolutely think that uh, cloud gaming will continue to rise. 
Another thing I always hear gamers talking about, which we've already discussed a little bit, is VR gaming and how excited they are for VR gaming. But my background is in writing about the manufacturing industry. And mm-hmm. that's really where I see VR really you know, booming is more these enterprise use cases. So I just wanted to ask you, do you think there's a bigger business case for VR technology in the consumer or enterprise space? Um, Actually, in my opinion, I think that the enterprise XR usage will lead the way towards mass consumer usage. What does that mean? So companies and organizations are addressing immediate needs in productivity, in training, in manufacturing, as you'd said, healthcare, education, et cetera, using XR. They have the budget to implement those solutions by building the needed applications and then outfitting the workforce and XR devices. But that workforce are also consumers. And so they understand the benefit and experience in XR um, and what that provides. So as we build more consumer experiences on mass scale, I think consumers will easily migrate to it because they are using it in enterprise or, or other solutions. As 5G and cloud become bigger and bigger parts of this gaming conversation, you know, new players, so to speak, are entering the gaming market, telcos being one prominent example. How do you think this will impact the market? Do you think these new entrants understand the market they're getting into? Well, just like new companies and experiences were born out of the 3G and 4G era, like Lyft and Uber, Netflix, Skype, uh, 5G has the potential, potential to unlock things we haven't even imagined yet. For gaming and telcos in particular, it's all about convenience for the consumer. We already have subscriptions and service for our smartphones and internet. So adding on a gaming service to your bundle would appear to be seamless. So that's definitely an opportunity. And as the technology evolves, innovation emerges. So new entrants will look at historical data, they'll look at emerging trends and capabilities and blaze some new trails. All right. I wanted to spend the rest of our time together talking about my legacy, which is the company you've started since leaving Qualcomm. Yes. You've said that the technology of my legacy will allow us to do things we have never done before when telling our stories. I, I got to say that's like incredibly intriguing, but what exactly do you mean by that? Well, the, ba- the basic idea of my legacy is that you have a personal storytelling platform to tell your life stories, capture memories and family history all in one place. And we do this by writing about our experiences and thoughts around moments, photos and videos that we capture and share that with our friends and family. Simple concept, right? What I want to do is also use the latest technologies in AI, machine learning, multimedia, cloud and spatial computing to make it easier to not only tell our stories, but to tell our stories in new ways on top of the core functionalities of the platform. For example. Imagine being able to have an audio or video recording of a relative who doesn't speak English that you want to include in a story and having my legacy translate it for you and then subtitle it for you automatically. So my grandmother, she didn't speak English. And I actually have a a cassette tape of her. I'm trying to get stories out of her. And my mom had to translate for us. And she actually, in this tape, said that she didn't share much stories with us because she didn't speak our language. And I thought that was incredibly sad. So being able to do automatic translation would be amazing. 
Um, additionally, imagine being able to provide a 3D reconstruction of your home for your kids so that they or your grandkids can even visit their childhood home anytime in the future in virtual or augmented reality. Or even having a volumetric video capture of you reading a bedtime story or singing a lullaby that can be played for your children, your great-grandchildren, and so on down the line far into the future. So these are just some of the possibilities and some of the things that I hope to bring through my legacy. That sounds really cool. So it almost sounds like you are, you know, going out there, seeing all the capabilities that technology is bringing, but you're just kind of funneling it into one place and for one purpose, which is creating this this family story. Correct. And our own life stories and, and creating our legacy so that it'll be everlasting. Part of, you know, the reason why I actually uh, founded my legacy, my mom passed away in 2009, which is, you know, 11 years ago. And, you know, I, we still go through her mementos and her photos and a lot of the stuff we, we don't know. And we'll never know because she's not here anymore. And I think, you know, the stories are starting to fade and, and my kids don't know as much about her as I would hope. And so while we think of our legacy as, as you know, living on through our family, it, it, it really doesn't. <laughs> it, not as much as you think it does. Mm-hmm. But if we have a platform in which we're able to tell our stories and capture those memories, we'll always have them. And so that's what I'm really trying to do is, is have the ability for our legacies be everlasting, but also to expose the world to richer personal histories, like knowing things about each other and about each other's families that just make us more connected and more engaged and just really more excited. I think sharing our stories breaks down barriers and something that, you know, is really relevant in today's time. Well, I think it's a very cool idea. Thank you. And since we only have a few more minutes left before my cat really starts to get whiny, (laughs) um, uh, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me and to share your insights on all of this. Thank you. It was it was a great time. And and I love talking about the the tech and and how it helps us be more connected and, and do things that we haven't been able to do before. So really, really thank you. Well, Technically is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. Today's show was produced and edited by me, Catherine Speglia. <laughs>